Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 130, where in a moment we chat gazumping and gazundering. Were they characters in The Muppets? Eh, maybe not. That's in a moment, as I say, but please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff. Mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last time we featured financial advice from ChatGPT, which scared the pair of us to our very cores. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. Joining me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Right then, Phil, this week, gazumping and gazundering. I, I've just about got gazumping in my peripheral vision, I think, but gazundering I have never heard of. You better take us through it. Let's start with gazumping. What's that exactly? Yeah, it should be a, an interesting one today. It's the sort of thing, these things apply when you're you're buying and selling property, but what, what gazumping is, is it's when another party makes a higher offer for a property. So you, you've already put in an offer, you've had it accepted. Usually what would then happen is that the the, the property is then often listed as, a, a lot of estate agents put it as STC, which is sold subject to contract. So during this period, you, you've put in an offer, it's been accepted. And what gazumping is, is somebody else comes in and they gazump you. So they, they put in a higher offer than, than what you had. And this, this can happen at any time before you've exchanged contracts or in Scotland, it's called concluding missives. So that's a term that we'll, we'll probably mention a couple of times throughout the, the show today. But pretty much it's when another party makes a higher offer on the house that you're purchasing or in the, the process of, of purchasing. So it really puts you back to, to square one again when you're looking to buy. You, you tend to find that in the majority of cases, it happens because the higher offer is, is made and the seller wants to maximise like what they, they obtain for their property. But it can also, like timing can sometimes be an issue as well. So for example, if you're taking too long to buy the property, so you've maybe had to get a survey done on it, you maybe got to still sell your own home or maybe your solicitor's dragging their feet for, for some reason. So that, that might be instances where the seller might decide to reject your offer and, and go with someone else who might be in a better position to, to move quickly. So that's basically what gazumping is. Okay, and <laughs> gazundering, is that something you see much of? I believe there might be a cream. Yeah, I mean, at the present time, they, they estimate that a third of UK property sales are hit by gazundering. So I, I can see you thinking, right, what is gazundering? Yeah. And it's basically, it's a practice where a buyer lowers their offer at the last minute. So just again, just before the contracts are exchanged or you, you conclude missives, so you, you've kind of agreed a price on the property and then right at the last minute, they came back, come back and say, right, we're going to offer you. We now want it for five grand less or 10 grand less or however much it may be. And and, and it's a shame because the sellers then, because it's quite late down the, the line, they, they often, they'll be conscious of the fact that if they refuse that offer, they're then back to square one again. So, and sometimes 
the, the whole entire chain can can fall apart. So mm-hmm. quite in a lot of cases, sellers often feel almost like backed into a corner and they will accept the, the lower offer at that stage. So that, that's what goes under in is. Because the, the, the other aspect that crosses my mind there is if, for instance, you had a few people interested in your property, the moment that it, it seems to come off the market, those people mentally and and in you know real terms they move on they have to go and look That's for it, another yeah. property because they're they're in, they're in a hunt to to get somewhere so those people have, have gone the chances of them still being available you know and you possibly going back to them and saying look do you still fancy it because yeah my buyer's fallen through for instance if you wanted to say it that way i know um, and that's when they might offer you less at that yeah, point as well yeah it, yeah how do you avoid it from happening to you then phil uh, there's probably a few things that you can do i mean if you can like choose a buyer that's sort of chain free. So like you, you'll find some, some properties, the transactions are all linked. So one person will be buying one person's house. They'll be buying somebody else who then buy somebody else. And if you're in a chain, all it takes is one person to pull out. And there's almost like a domino effect where yeah. that can impact on a number of people. So if you can buy a or, or choose a, a chain free buyer, if possible, that's one kind of way to, to try and stop it happening. The, the other thing that you want is to try and get the, the exchange of contracts or missives concluded as soon as possible. That, that's another kind of way to, to avoid it. But again, not everybody's always going to be in a position where they can get the contracts exchanged as, as soon as possible. I, I would also say, like, moving quickly, stay in, stay in touch with your solicitor, your estate agent. So by keeping in touch with them throughout the, the process can also help that as well. I'd also say in, in the first place, being realistic about the price that you you want. I mean, if it's on a, a reasonable price, then I suppose that reduces the chances of somebody trying to lower it at a later stage as well. Getting a good estate agent, somebody who's good at handling kind of buyers who are kind of pushing their luck could, can be another thing. So that, that's another way that you can kind of avoid it happening as well. Another thing I would say for, for the seller is don't, like hide anything about the property or the surrounding area. I think if you're honest with sellers, it gives them less reason to try and find an excuse to to kind of put in a lower offer somewhere down the line as well. And then again, work out if your finances and, and like work 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 on your finances and determine the lowest offer that you could accept right at the beginning as well as is another way of trying to help the situation. So there are a few things that you can do to to try and help that kind of situation there i'm assuming this is is kind of like a you know a sign of the times indicative that, that money's tighter and it's forced this type of behavior which yeah, it might not be illegal but it's certainly immoral i mean does that does that mean that gazumping is happening less now then or does it not work that way well the gazumping is a, a worry i mean according to research they, they reckon that 31 percent of uk homeowners have previously lost out in a property as a result of being gazumped in the last decade. So you're you're near on a third that that they reckon this has happened to in the last ten years. I, a question I often get asked when I mean, I'm I'm based in Scotland and I have had people say it's like is it something that happens in Scotland? And, and the answer to that is yes. It doesn't happen as much as in other parts of the UK though in in Scotland. And the main reason for that is that. In Scotland, most properties are sold by solicitors rather than estate agents. Now, solicitors are bound by certain legal standards. So if someone accepts a higher offer, once a property has gone under offer, if they then accept a higher offer, that solicitor then has to 
resign from acting for the client. So there's like almost a code of ethics sort of mm. there. Now I've I've worked at a solicitor's firm before, and I know that when that used to happen, all they would then simply do it was a large solicitor's firm, so they would then pass the client from <sighs> oh, that else. on a different solicitor within the firm. So yeah. they they can find ways around it as well. Different if it was a small like a small solicitor firm with just one kind of solicitor there, then they would have to refer it on to another firm. And I've seen that happening as well. You, you tend to find gazumping is most common in areas where there's more of a demand for the property than what there is supply. But one of the bad things with being, with being gazumped in, say, like England or Wales, if you're there, is that you, you might have spent money on getting a survey for the property. You might have spent money on, on legal fees. That's not the case in Scotland because the, you've got the home reports there, so at least you've not had to shell out on, on survey. So being gazumped, it can cost you not only a bit of time, but also money as well. Wow. Again, though, Phil, there's probably a legal loophole, which means it's entirely legal, if not fair and, and decent. Is gazumping legal? Must be. Yeah, unfortunately, gazumping is legal. And while, while your offer may have been accepted, the, the agreement between you and the seller, it doesn't become legally binding until the contracts have been exchanged. Or in Scotland, as I say, it's called the missives have been concluded. So at that point, that's when it's like a legally binding contract at, at that stage so unfortunately until that is done somebody could come in and, and offer more that point as well if you take a look at a property websites you'll see many properties advertised but they'll still be listed and it'll say sold stc which means that an offer has been accepted but the sales still subject to contracts so until that's all finalized and agreed and the contracts exchanged then again, somebody potentially could come in. And, and it's a pity because estate agents will still often have the properties there. So people can think, well, okay, it's sold subject to contract, but I could maybe still go and inquire about it. Really, at that point, that's when they shouldn't be doing any view-ins and, and things. That STC, sold subject to contract, is a term that I'm finding coming up more in Scotland as well, because in the past, they would just describe the property as being under offer. Yeah. Since the exchanging of contracts comes fairly late in the process, though, after the buyer's spent money, as I say, they can spend money on surveys, they can have tried to arrange a mortgage, paid a conveyancer for like local searches. Buyers can often find themselves seriously out of pocket if they're gazumptly on in the process. So it isn't it's it's something that's just not ideal at all. The idea of sold subject to, to contracts suggests, though, that the, the estate agent is sort of pandering to the idea of gazumping because presumably at the end of the day, the higher the sale, the higher their return by way of a percentage of that sale. You, you could say there's an argument for that, John, because given that most estate agents, they tend to be paid based on a percentage of the yeah. sale price. So yeah. if they're taking a 1% estate agency fee, if they get an extra 10 grand more for a property, it's an extra 100 quid in in their pocket. So there could be an argument for that. I know trading standards, they've got a code of practice for estate agents in England, Wales and Northern Ireland. But when when you actually look at it, I I looked at the section that would kind of cover that sort of bit and and it's quite sort of vague really. It just says, if a buyer becomes involved in a contract race, he should be told promptly of the situation and given such information which comes to your attention as is consistent with your duty to the seller and the other buyer or buyers. 
So it, it doesn't really cover much about gazumping at all in there. So mm. although they've got this code of practice to follow, it doesn't really cover sort of gazumping and, and gazundering, unfortunately. <laughs> Again, every time you say gazumping, gazundering, it sounds like, you know, <laughs> the, the couple of hobbits that were at the back of the queue. Uh, no. um, anything you can do to avoid being gazumped then? Yeah, I would say, like, try to present yourself well at viewing so the seller knows that you can proceed quickly and that you're not likely to, to pull out of the purchase. That would be one one thing. If you're a cash buyer, I, I would let the seller know that because, again, it means that you're less likely to be impacted in a chain of, of connected properties or you're less likely to pull out because you might have difficulties getting a mortgage. Likewise, if, if you're buying with a mortgage, make sure that you've got it all agreed in principle so that you can move quickly once your offer is accepted as well. That would be a, a key thing for, for somebody buying a property with a mortgage. Tell the estate agent your offer is, is subject to the property being taken off the market with no more viewings being conducted. So again, I, I've, I've said that situation in the past where folk have said, right, we want you to accept this offer. If you accept it, we don't want you doing any more viewings. And and sometimes folk will agree to that depending on their, their circumstances. Once your offer has been accepted, keep chasing your solicitor and, and chasing them to get things tied up. Now, you only want to conclude missives or exchange contracts if you're in the position to make it legally binding though. So it's important that your solicitor should keep you right with, with all of that sort of things. But the, the quicker you can get that contracts exchanged, then that's when it becomes legally binding at that point in time. And that's when people can't be gazumped or gazundered at, at that stage. So if you try and get things sort of legally tied up as quick as you can. But like I say, your solicitor will keep you right with, with when you can do that as well. They won't tie you in without you being in that position to to be tied in. Okay, so that's gazumping and gazundering. Every day is a school day. What, what are our <laughs> takeaways from this one, Phil? Yeah, I would say it's always something to be aware of when you're you're buying and selling a property, especially, I mean, if you're doing selling for the first time or buying for the first time, you, you maybe don't know how the, the whole process sort of works. And that's where you need the professionals to keep you right with what's going on with things. But I, I would definitely say, like, whether you're buying or selling, keep in touch with your, your solicitor and estate agent throughout the process, and they'll keep you informed of how things are going. I've been in the position myself. I mean, look, looking at kind of my story over the, the years, I mean, probably about two years ago now, I, I was looking at a property, needed a lot of work done to it, cracking property, lovely views, but it'd been on the market a long time. And, and I had concerns thinking, right, what is the actual value of this? Because the home report value was one figure, but it'd been on the market so long, I thought, well, to me, the true value is going to be less than that. So we, we had an initial offer accepted on this property but we put the offer in subject to getting a slater to, to check out the roof and also a timber specialist to go in and inspect the property as well and it turned out that it needed quite a lot of timber works done inside but also there, there's a flat felt roof needed repairing and jeepers i think that alone was going to be about 20 grand to get all the, the work done on the, the roof and, and, and things. And we, we were happy to do it, but we, we went back to them and said, look, because it needs all of this work, we kind of then negotiated a lower price. So you could say that's an example of where it's happened with myself, although there was genuine reason to reduce the price in that situation. Whereas you do get some folk that just try to chance it to get things 
for for a lower price. But in in the end, that property fell through because there there was stables on the property, but part of the stables was actually built on somebody else's land. So because of that issue, in the end, we just thought, ah, we'll just go and look for something else. And it it probably turned out to be a blessing in disguise. At the time, we've got our hearts set on that property, but the the house that I'm in now is a a cracking house and it's a better location. There was no work needed done on it. So I'm not really much of a handyman, so it wouldn't have been the best for for me to have got the original property we looked at. Mm. So I'm always a great believer that what's meant to be will will be. Okay, and for your quote of the week, Phil, I know you're a fan of inspirational quotes. What have you got to suit our topic this week on gazumping and gazundering? Couldn't get anything to do with actual that with with that names in it, but the the quote of the week is kind of just following on from what I was saying a, a few moments ago. One from someone called Trisha Yearwood. What's meant to be will always find a way. And I'm a great believer in that. And like that house that fell through for us, yeah, it was disappointing at the time. I always think everything kind of happens for a reason. So it worked out well for us in the end. As your granny used to say, watch for you, you'll not go past you. Same sort of idea, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now, Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you prefer. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up. I'll give it to you after these. Hi, Phil. This may be one of your duller but most often asked questions. How do things stand on the mortgage market right now? I sold a while ago. I'm keen to buy, but for the time being, I'm back home with my elderly parents. I don't think that's a long-term thing for any of us. So is now a good time to be a buyer or should I hold off a bit longer? It's difficult. I mean, property in the short term can go up and down in value. But what you tend to find is that over a longer period of term, property prices tend to rise, and that's mainly driven because the the supply is low in in comparison to the demand. And what I would say at the minute, though, is that the the Bank of England they've raised the bank base rate, um, so that's the the base lending rate. It's gone up a few times recently. Now, I, I was at a seminar last week. A company called Bruin Dolphin. They they're a, um, a f- investment kind of portfolio manager. And they they they've got experts that look in all these things. And what they reckoned was that they thought the base rate may go up maybe another two or three times, probably by 0.25% increases. They they thought that in the UK, they, they didn't think that the base rate would go above five percent. And the main reason for that was due to a slowing housing market. So that that's kind of what the experts and what the markets are sort of predicting at the minute. So we do think there'll be Slightly more base rate rises, but we don't think it's going to go up all that much more now. So interest rates, with them going up, that makes mortgages usually tend to, to go up as well. Although it's funny, the last time the base rate went up, a lot of the mortgage lenders' rates actually came down because mm-hmm. they, the way that they, they, they kind of buy money at certain rates and what's called swap rates, and they'd actually fallen. But they're starting to creep back up a little bit just now. So we are seeing a lot of mortgage deals getting pulled quite last, pardon me, last minute um, at the minute. So I do feel sorry for, for mortgage brokers just now because the deals are coming and going really fast. And again, that's a good reason to keep in touch with your mortgage broker quite regularly as well. But it's trying to weigh up what's best for you. I mean, different areas will have different house prices and different supply and demand. We did do a previous podcast, episode 30, it was on should you buy or rent a home. So that, that's quite a good one to, to try and weigh up. It was actually quite a listen to 
podcast that one we've got quite a lot of downloads on on that so again it, it might help when you're trying to decide right should i rent for a while or should i look to buy I mean, if you're staying with parents then again that might save you a bit of money there depending on what you're paying them but as it's all just trying to weigh up your own situation to, to see what you feel is going to be best for you absolutely gosh Episode 30, 100 episodes ago. Wow. Uh, I think so it was, and it was nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, here's one from Ailey in Carluke in Lanarkshire, who wants to know specifically about being a first-time buyer in Scotland. She says, hi, Phil, I'm hoping to buy my first property this year. I know as a first-time buyer there are certain differences, I think benefits, to encourage me to get onto the property ladder. What's your main advice? I'd, I'd probably say the best advice would be go and speak to a whole of market mortgage broker. Now, they, they should be able to make things easy for you because they can work out things like how much you can borrow, how much it's going to cost you each month, and they can also tell you about how much deposit you'll need. But if you get one that's quite clued up, they should also be able to tell you about all the various kind of government schemes and initiatives that are out there to help first-time buyers onto the property ladder. Again, we did do a, a previous podcast mm. on, it was like schemes to help you buy a home in Scotland. And some of that might be out of date because these schemes change kind of all the time. There was like the lift scheme and you've got like shared equity schemes, shared ownership schemes. There's a lot of these different things available. So I would speak to a mortgage broker and if they've got good knowledge of that type of schemes, they should be able to kind of point you in the right right direction there. If you do speak to one and they don't know much about it, try another one because there will be ones out there that will can I know? I mean, we, we've got mortgage brokers at my firm. We, we've got mortgage brokers in Caithness and Aberdeenshire, but they will cover the whole of Scotland as well. And they, they have a good idea of all the, the different schemes. So if you were struggling finding a mortgage broker, someone at Phil Anderson Financial Services would be delighted to help as well. Do you get mortgage brokers who specialise in certain types of mortgage? So, you know, someone that might specialise in first-time buyer mortgages, for instance, Phil? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I find... I see brokers that specialise in, say, buy-to-let, some that specialise in new builds. I'm sure there would be ones out there that would be more for for first-time buyers. I remember there's a company out there, First Mortgage. Now, a lot of people often used to see them as as ones for first-time buyers. And they, for a while, I think they actually had a bit of a a stigma, but they, they, they were doing more purchases, but they never did as much remortgages and mm. like people looking to review their mortgage because the name says first mortgage. So they, there are companies out there that would specialise in kind of first-time buyers as well. Would you say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Mellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 130 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question that you can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. And like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you'd prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want 
when you need it. You get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. Thanks, John. 